Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Don't just uh, cut off like we did at the end of the last show. This is Bantering the Blue Shirts, by the way. I am Joe, by the way. I am joined by Mike, by the way. And Beth will not be here, by the way. Michael, how are you doing, by the way? I am fine. It's good. I am worried about your, your computer dying, though. Was it, I figured Stanley was behind it. but He, he could have... I, I should blame him, maybe, because no one would really look too deeply into it, but um, I had clicked Blog Talk Radio has a bunch of different studio settings that I was tinkering with towards the end of the show and it froze the computer and then like the screen was just (laughs) Mark stalling out and I knew something was very wrong and then everything so yeah, I remember realizing you were quiet for a long time, and then you started texting, and I was like, oh, this can't be good. So that's how it was. That's what happens. This is what happens when you can't see each other. No. When you do a show and you can't actually look at the other person's mouth, you don't know when to talk. We just yeah. talk. We have chemistry. You have no idea how much chemistry is on this show. But there's no Beth, so that kind of ruins the chemistry. Um, yeah. We are a few weeks into the off season, and that means you sleep a lot. And because you sleep a lot, you need a new mattress badly because the mattress you have has lumps. <laughs> the mattress you have is disgusting. It is stained. You peed in that bed just a couple of weeks ago. So you well, need to get a new – I'm sorry? Do you want to admit to potentially peeing in your bed? No. No. You need I, to get a new it's mattress. It's been a long time. You need to get a mattress – that has been created by an in-house team of engineers who have spent thousands of hours developing it. It is a Casper mattress, and it combines supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that has just the right amount of sink and just the right amount of bounce. And you know how important bounces are because you watch hockey, and all we talk about is bouncing for various reasons. Here's the deal. You can get a Casper mattress, and you can get it completely risk-free. Uh, they offer free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial, which means you can sleep on the bed for basically a third of a year to make sure that wow, it is okay. exactly what you want it to be, and it will be. If you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you every single dollar. Um, they will also come and take the mattress for you, so that's really nice. A lot of people don't do that. 
Um, mm. They have 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars. By the way, you should review our podcast and give us five stars. Um, or whatever you want. Shipping. Yeah, well, well, no, you should, you should give them five stars. Uh, there is free shipping <laughs> returns to the United States and Canada. As I said before, you can try it for 100 nights risk-free. And it's designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. of A. So USA, USA, USA. Um, It is casper.com slash blueshirtbanter. The promo code is blueshirtbanter. If you go do that, you can be sleeping in a beautiful, perfect new bed soon. Think about that for a minute. So that is casper.com slash blueshirtbanter. The promo code is blueshirtbanter. And uh, you should be very, very, very happy with it. If you use that promo code, you will get $50 towards any mattress purchase. Um, so do it. It's amazing. Is, is Casper spelled like Casper the Friendly Ghost? It actually is. C-A-S-P-E-R. C-A-S-P-E-R dot com. So go do that. And then you can give them 4.8 stars or more. And you can give us five stars or more. I don't think you can give more than that. But if you can hack the system, um, do it. Because that is amazing. I would also like to tell you that this show is brought to you by our valued Patreon subscribers. John J. Porter, Anthony Viola, Daniel DeGen, Guy from Montana, Eric Cohn, Matt Bader, Dan Lynch, Arch Williams, Igor Zatlovsky, Zachary Zetlin, Dan Carosi, Alexander Thornton, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempna, and Michael Silvers. And one more, Victoria Embry. Thank you all. For donating. Oh, thank you, everybody. To this fine show. You have allowed us to do things we never dreamed, getting a Skype subscription. So that is you how guys that are works. Great. You guys are And soon great. headsets. That's the next. Yeah, we're going to do, do microphones, maybe headset microphones. You don't know. You don't know where this is going. Yeah. That's the whole I'm point. Trying to, I'm trying to decide between the headset, which makes me feel fancy, or the like microphone with the... Like crane thingy, like it's on a like robotic-y arm jibbity. Like kind of like that, but I don't know. I'm working on it. Have you ever seen Starship Troopers, Joe? No. Oh, that's a shame. Because the, the lead actor in Starship Troopers is Casper Van Dien. I was going to tie, tie it all together there, but your your lack of culture once again has... Ruin the show. It totally derailed the show, I think, actually. Yeah, now the show is nice and derailed. And the show immediately um, just hit the button and cut this out. <sighs> oh, God, we've gotten so far into the podcast without talking about the Rangers, and it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling. Um, where do you want to start? We went over some topics before, and none of them are particularly appetizing. Do you want to start with expansion? Do you want to start with Derek Stepan, do you want to start with free agency? UFAs, a little bit of everything? What do you want to talk about? Um, I don't know. Uh, you and I were just before the podcast started, we, we started Stepan. So maybe we should just run with that and go from go to expansion from there. I like that idea. Um, it's a great idea. It's, it's, um, it's no, secret, no secret that I, I think throughout the year, I've, I've kind of pointed out that I'm I'm not as high on Stepan as I think a lot of Ranger fans uh, were. I, I guess I can't say are anymore. Um, 
because even if it's a minority, it's a particularly vocal minority. But um, it's uh, and I know part of it is is in jest and all that stuff, and it's it's fans who are frustrated and they want solutions. And um, Stepan is a member of this kind of core group that that ha- hasn't been able to get it over the goal line, and uh, he's. A guy who, for whatever reason, uh, doesn't seem to check off enough boxes in people's heads um, in terms of he's an adequate or good, you know, first-line center. And, you know, we've talked a whole bunch about, oh, my God, he's never had 60 points in a season. And what does that mean? Not really anything. Um, But I guess I'll turn it over to you and ask you, Joe, uh, what do you make of all this step on rabble rousing and people groaning and grumbling? You son of a bitch. How dare you turn this on me? Yeah, that's what I've done. Because um, you didn't watch Starship Troopers. God, I didn't. You know, I don't really know even how to justify the step on hatred. Because the reality of the situation is the Rangers... Always need a whipping boy. Always. I don't know who it is, but it's got to be someone. Whether it's Tom Pody or Dan Girardi or Mark Stahl or in this case, uh, Stuck Tom Pody. Yeah, I know that's a name. That's a blast from the past. So I'm going to diverge for a moment and tell a Tom Pody story. Um, when I was younger, I'm going to say about 13 years old or so, uh, I went to a Rangers game and there were these two gentlemen, and I'm referring to them generously by calling them gentlemen, who were very, very inebriated, who called Tom Pody toilet handle all, all game. So he has always been toilet handle for me, Tom Pody toilet handle. Anywho, yeah. um, I just don't understand how – so. Stepan admittedly had a terrible playoffs. So did JT Miller. Uh, Stepan is making an enormous amount of money, and I'm sure that has something to do with it. But the people who cite money, who say, oh, well, he's making too much, and he hasn't done enough, and he hasn't been good enough, are also ignoring the fact that there are much bigger issues on this team. The he's not a first-line center argument has followed Stepan around his entire career here. And it is an infuriating amount of insanity because as we've discussed on this show before, you can't quantify what a first-line center is. Nobody knows what it means. Nobody. It means something different yeah. for literally every person you ask. Derek Stepan is a 50-plus point two-way center who is good in his own zone and can take care of business when he needs to. He doesn't have the greatest shot in the world. He doesn't score a ton of goals, but he's a very good player. That is a first-line center. I, I don't know what else you need to have it proven to you that he is a first-line center. I'm not saying he's an elite center. I'm not saying he's the greatest center in the league. I am just telling you that by the simple ma- metrics of there are 30 teams, so there have to be 30 number one centers, Derek Stepan is a number one center. And the reality of the situation is you can't take Stepan away and then all of a sudden think, okay, you know, we're going to, everything will be fine. It doesn't work that way. You need to replace that somehow. 
Oscar Lindbergh is not Derek Stepan. He's not going to turn into Derek Stepan just because you give him bigger minutes and power play time. Kevin Hayes could turn into Derek Stepan, but you're losing Derek Stepan. Hayes and Zibanejad are a great one-two punch. Hayes, Zibanejad, and Stepan are a great one-two-three punch. Having Lindbergh and Miller and whoever else you want to throw around there just makes it all that much better. But you can't tell me, oh, the Rangers would be better off to just lose Derek Stepan. It doesn't work that way. Go ahead, Mike. I cut you off. Yeah, what's interesting here to me is, you know, a lot of this stemmed from, uh, I think it was that Brooks piece where, um, you know, he he brought up the point of, wow, look how good Oscar Lindbergh's doing in the worlds. And boy, don't the Rangers need a change of something. But, you know, you and I talked about it before the podcast. It's people who bemoan Stepan in his contract. Ooh, bemoan. What a great word. It's it's kind of focusing on the wrong, you know, the wrong stain in the mattress that you need to replace. Um, it's, you know, when Girardi and Stahl are there, and I know it's just every time we say those names, I'm sure, you know, somewhere a child cries, but it's, those are the problems that hurt the team, you know, north of 20 minutes a night. And those are guys who, you know, Stepan is still, what is he, still 26, you know, Stahl's 30, Girardi's 33, and, you know, Stepan, yes, he's the second highest paid forward on the team, but, you know, before the podcast, I I quickly looked up um, since the 2013-14 season, in terms of points for the Rangers in the regular season, it's Zuccarello with 228, points in that span and step on with 220. So he's eight behind Zuccarello and he's played 13 less games and third place is Nash with 182. So there's only a, there's almost a 40 point gap between step on and Nash, which gives you a real idea of, you know, for the guys who've been around as part of that core, you know, it's, is step on really, you know, is really the problem is, you know, is maybe the fact that, you know, we haven't got as much out of guys like, you know, Kreider and Hayes, as much as maybe we would like to, isn't that part of the problem? And um, what's so interesting to me about Stepan in particular is he he's being talked about really because the Rangers have this window before his his no trade clause kicks in. Right, they have the opportunity to try and do something, but the the issue I have there is like is the point you, you brought up. It's all right, so we move Stepan, and the question becomes, you move him for what? And, you know, apparently it's a defenseman. You know, that's what everyone everyone believes and knows the Rangers need. But a lot of what's going to happen here is, gets really interesting when it comes to the expansion draft because the Rangers have to keep in mind, you know, the guys they they have to be very aware of the guys they will have to expose and furthermore they have to be aware of all right so we move step on and that means we move Hayes into you know inevitably a larger role when Hayes really towards the end of the regular season and in the playoffs showed us a lot of reasons you know to have headaches it's uh not inspiring hockey from Kevin Hayes 
he's still very young, and I'm definitely one of the people that thinks Hayes can be something special. But I'm not sure I want to throw, you know, throw the future of the Rangers' center depth to, you know, Mika Zibanejad, who I really, really like. But, again, we've seen him for a little over half a season uh, and I don't think injury issues are going to be something that really plagues him, but you have to think about stuff like that. You have to think about the fact that he, you know, he broke his leg last season. So um, I really, I love Lindbergh, but I, I, like you, I don't think that just throwing him into power play ice time in a top six role is going to mean he'll just be that next guy who can put up 55 points in the season. I, I'm not sure that's how it works. We've talked so much about addition by subtraction when it comes to Stahl and Girardi. And what I yeah. mean by that is literally anything you can get for the two of them is probably going to be something you're going to want to do because unless you're taking an albatross of a contract back, you're improving the team because of how much they've struggled. And I just believe people assume oh, that's the same thing with Stepan. Like, he had a terrible playoff, so we just need to get rid of him. But the ripple effect of losing Derek Stepan and not replacing him with another quality center it is going to be an issue. Kevin Hayes, I agree with you, did not have the best playoffs, maybe even didn't have the best year. Um, I'm of the mind that Grabner kind of helped that line a little bit more than the other way around. But... yeah. You take your bets on a guy like Kevin Hayes. You take your bets on young skill. You don't necessarily take your bets on older guys who you're kind of hoping will fit in the right system and pan out. And that's not to say that Derek Stepan is one of those players. If the choice is between Stepan and Hayes, I'd probably go with Hayes just for the long-term rewards. But you brought up the biggest point, which is one of the reasons why this conversation is happening at a rational level not at their irrational level that seems to plague a good amount of this fan base when they get in their whole, we're going to make knee-jerk reaction moves, was whether or not the Rangers are going to be able to get rid of Stepan's contract once he has the new movement clause kick in, which I believe kicks in in July, right? July 1st? So I believe that's, yeah, that's the start of the quote-unquote next season. That's how it works can, financially, I believe. You can get rid of him for... Nothing, and I don't mean that like the return will be nothing. I mean, you don't have to force him to do anything. He just has to go. And the question becomes, if you're going to trade Derek Stepan, do you trade him for defensive help? Do you trade him so that somebody takes on a bad contract? Would Las Vegas be interested in taking a guy like Girardi or Stahl if they got a guy like Derek Stepan along with it? There are a lot of questions that need to be asked, and we're going to get a lot of these answers in the month of June because if Stefan's not traded in June, obviously the no-trade clause kicks in, and that's answered that question. But you're going to see a lot of moving and shaking from the New York Rangers over the next couple of weeks. The expansion draft is at the end of the month. The regular draft is at the – or excuse me. The regular draft is at the end of the month. The expansion draft, you know, NHL just released. Their list of very important dates, and I am going to find it for you because I am a good person. So, Monday, June 12th, is the deadline for clubs to request that a player waive his no-movement clause for the purposes of the expansion draft. Nashville and Pittsburgh, I think, get a little bit later in the day um, because they get at least the day after the end of the Stanley Cup final. 
Um, Thursday, June 15th is the first buyout period. It's the deadline for clubs who have asked players with no movement clause whether or not they want to be placed, you know, into the uh, into the expansion draft, and they can buy them out, you know, prior to the expansion draft. So that's Thursday, June 15th. Um, Friday, June 16th is the last day to place players on waivers prior to the expansion draft, and it's a trade waiver freeze. Saturday, oh, I'm sorry. So that Friday, players also have to agree to waive their no-trade clause or not. So you can ask teams, you can ask players as of Monday, June 12th. By Friday, June 16th, they have to give you their answer. Um, Saturday, the 17th, is the commencement of the actual expansion draft. And then Sunday, June 18th, is the deadline for Central Registry to approve and simultaneously distribute the protection list to all NHL clubs. And the opening of the UFA slash RFA interview period for the expansion club. This doesn't really answer my question, but I have made this more boring than I intended to. Uh, So that's that. So we're going to see a lot of what's going on in the month of June. The Rangers have decisions to make. Do they ask Girardi to waive his no movement clause so that they can put him into the into the expansion draft? I mean, they're not going to. They're not going to take him. Vegas isn't going to take him for nothing. But Vegas has already alluded to the fact that they are going to really think about a lot of trades. A lot of teams are either trying to bribe Vegas into taking a player that they want to get rid of or trying to bribe Vegas into not taking a player that they want to keep. And you might see a little bit of under-the-table dealings. The Rangers, for example, could very well come up with a deal that both sides agree to with Brendan Smith not sign him to anything right now so that he goes into the expansion draft as a free agent. Even if Vegas picks him, which they wouldn't if he's a free agent, he cannot sign with them and go back into the free agency pool and then sign with the Rangers in July. So there's going to be a lot of moving pieces like that hanging around, but you're going to start seeing some pretty big changes for the Rangers one way or another. And mm. I don't know, Mike, do you see the Rangers asking Girardi or Stahl to waive their no movement clauses? I, I really don't for the expansion draft, but I mean, maybe they do. I have no idea. Do you see them trying to bribe Vegas into taking them? Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting because without in a vacuum, I don't, if there is no expansion draft, I think Girardi being bought out would kind of be a foregone conclusion. Um, But we've already seen like, you know, the, I think it was Frank Cervalli or, you know, with uh, the Chicago rumor of, you know, the Blackhawks willing to make a deal if, if Vegas takes, you know, um, I think it was Kruger's contract off, off their hands. And that, that definitely opens, you know, that was always a possibility, but to see things kind of already heating up is, is interesting because it opens options and the, you always want more options, especially when it comes to, what I think is now universally accepted as these are two contracts that are really, really big problems for the Rangers. Um, I don't see the harm in asking either of them, um, you know, to, to waive those things. I mean, I don't know what the, the blowback or detriment is that the players might feel slighted or, you know, might feel like they're not wanted, but, uh, you know, uh, you can read into that language as much as you'd like for, you know, players who are making, you know, 
Stahl 5.7 million a year for the next four years and Girardi 5.5 for the next three. Um, you know, you could safely argue that the organization has given them plenty. They've, they've certainly, you know, given a lot of blood, sweat and tears to the Rangers organization, but it, at the end of the day, it is a business and it would probably be in the Rangers best interest just to knock on that door and, because even if you're expecting them to, you know, say, you know, take a hike, it's it's worth doing. Uh, and frankly, there is a chance that maybe one of those guys sees, you know, an opportunity to play elsewhere as a good thing. Um, that's just kind of, you know, random speculation, but it's... It, I don't know what the downside is. I don't think there are any repercussions as far as I'm aware. So I'm not sure we're going to see. I think it's more likely we'll see the Rangers being forced to protect Girardi um, because of his clause in his contract and then likely buying him out. But, you know, it's uh, crazier things have happened, especially, and, you know, I, I think, the general consensus, I don't want to speak for you, Joe, but the general consensus we have of Gorton so far is that he, he knows that, you know, he knows that this is his time to start building his team. I think we talked about that last time. And he's also shown a lot of really promising, like a lot of the decisions he's made are very promising. You know, they, they give you insight into someone who's really thinking you know, trying to think his way out of a problem with uh, with some of this stuff. So um, I don't know what to expect with, you know, with the under the table or the deals. Um, I know Mika wrote that great piece on Banter about, you know, the Rangers really kind of comes down to, you know, losing one of five probably of Fast, Grabner, Holden, Lindbergh, and Ronta. And, um that's before any shenanigans takes place or any deals of some kind takes place with, you know, I think the the phrase that's come up on social media is that, that McPhee, who's the general manager of Vegas, isn't afraid to be something of a garbage dealer um, for these first few years. Cause no one, no one is expecting Las Vegas to win games in their first season or their second season. You know, they're, they're not supposed to, it's, and so if they can put pieces in place that help them in the long run, it's in their best interest. And the real question is how, how much future assets, you know, what is the cost of, of making a Girardi contract go away without using the buyout? So right now I think Girardi has a uh, limited no trade. You know, he can list 15 t- teams he can't be traded to, I believe. Um, and Stahl just has a full no move. So, yeah, I know I kind of went all over the map there. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. We talk so much about the Girardi contract, but and I think that's frankly because he's on the first pair with McDonough. But the Stahl contract is more money and a longer term, and you know he's three years younger, so that that makes it sting a little less, you know. But it's uh it's still a really, really hard to defend contract. And a lot of people, I think, you know, put the knives away because of his really scary and horrific and very clearly damaging eye injury that he had. Um, But in so many ways, he's just not a guy who fits into 
like your idea of a first or second pair NHL defenseman. You know, he's he doesn't skate well enough. He doesn't move the puck well enough. I mean, how many times in the playoffs did we see him just he's like a deer with headlights in the defensive zone with the puck just you know afraid to make the pass that was there uh and choosing to like double back at his own zone and essentially pin the Rangers in their own zone. You know, his zone exits are a nightmare. Um, and it's it's kind of strange to think, but in an ideal world, we're just hoping, you know, as <laughs> people who cover the Rangers and our Rangers fans, that one of those problems will be solved. Uh, both of them being solved, I don't think is going to happen. But again, crazier things have happened. And the expansion draft just kind of really shuffles the deck and, as Mika wrote in his article, it's it's not it's interesting because you can look at it as like oh geez you know we could lose Ranta you know we could lose Grabner or Fast or Lindbergh and but it's also an opportunity um, and there are a lot of teams out there who are looking at it as an opportunity like Chicago clearly is that you know we can we can create cap space and get some relief from some of these bad deals we've made and. Uh, you know, they're not alone. Detroit's looking at it the same way, I'm sure. You know, there's a lot of teams that have <laughs> some some serious headaches. Dallas needs to figure out what the hell they're doing with all their goalies and yada, yada, yada. So I've talked long enough. You have, but I'm going to throw a question your way to kind of force you to keep talking some more. You son of a bitch. Well, I can answer it first if you want. One of the questions that's come up is Vegas alluded to the fact that they were getting – high draft picks. I don't remember if they specifically mentioned that it was a first-round draft pick or if they were just saying that they've gotten high draft picks to take on a bad contract. Would you be willing to move a first-round draft pick to bribe Vegas into taking Stahl, say, or Girardi, or whoever you get to agree to? Uh, I'm going to answer the question first. Um, My answer would be maybe. There are a couple of prospects that I really, 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 really like. Uh, Yamamoto. Yamamoto. Yamamoto um, is one of them. Eric Braniston. Makes you think StarCraft. Another one. What? Have you ever played StarCraft? Ah, see that I played. Yeah, remember the Yamamoto cannon or whatever the hell it is? Yamamoto. Um, Eric Brandstrom is is really the guy that I'm enamored with at this point. Um, He reminds me of a little Eric Carlson, and he is very good. So Yamamoto is just like an undersized forward who put up unbelievable numbers in the WHL this year. All things that the Rangers desperately need. But if you can get rid of, let's play the game this way. We trade the first-round pick, Vegas takes Stahl, because Stahl mm-hmm. has a heavier buyout. Then you buy out Girardi. You sign Shattenkirk, you sign Brendan Smith, you bring up Ryan Graves, or the plethora of defensemen that the Rangers have signed this year. You let Shea and McDonough be your first pairing, you let Smith and Shattenkirk be your second pairing, or you mix those four rounds. I don't give a shit what you do at that point. That's a great top four. Um Yes, you lose the opportunity for a first-round pick. Yes, I don't believe the Rangers have a second or third-round pick this year either, so you're really – maybe then you kind of have to think about making a trade for a draft pick, and that would be where the step-on stuff would come in. But 
you get rid of two enormous problems and you only have to eat one of them. And Girardi is the easier pie out the stomach because, like Mike said, smaller contract at this point left, older, whatever. I would be tempted. I really would be tempted. Uh, you know, I would be really tempted. I really would be. Michael? I understand why. I understand why he'd be tempted. Don't and the other that. side of it, the other side of it to me is it's not just subtraction, but it's the cap space that it creates because it's not just um, the Rangers, you know, on paper will be better by default because whatever players are brought in to replace them will will benefit benefit the team more. It's also the issue of there will be, you know, north of north of $11 million in cap space, um, or not, not truly because, you know, of the buyout cap hit, but um, there'll be a significant amount of cap space. We'll just say that uh, to work with. And that is something I think the Rangers and Gorton especially should keep in mind because there is a real need for the Rangers to get more talent um, coming up from the pipelines, which, you know, goes against directly the idea of trading something like a first-round pick. But the Rangers have had a lot of success with, you know, the undrafted free agents and drafted, you know, free agent prospects like Hayes or Vizi. And, you know, finding, finding these solutions outside the draft um, it's it's pretty fascinating, and there's also a pretty a pretty solid record of the Rangers finding guys outside that first round. But um, to me, what's most compelling is no matter what you do as the Rangers, it's going to be be seen as a gamble. But I do think the the thing that's the bigger gamble is is trying feverishly to to shed both players um, and also if you are able to move stall will the Rangers still be so you know will Gorton still feel so much pressure to, to get out from under the Girardi contract because if the stall contract is off the books you know the Girardi contract doesn't hurt quite as much and you can point to Girardi as being, you know, obviously the possession numbers are a nightmare and all of that, but if you put him in a third-pairing role and you can say, oh, he's grossly overpaid, and he will be, but all those numbers will improve because he won't be playing against the other team's best players. Um, we, it's a, I don't think it's a point that's raised enough, but one of the reasons why Girardi's numbers are so, you know, abysmal is because he's tasked with very, very difficult defensive responsibilities. He's on the top penalty killing unit, and he's on the top even strength unit with McDonough. And we joke so often about, like, oh, my God, poor Ryan McDonough. But, you know, it's there's also, to some extent, it's poor Dan Girardi because of how he's used by Vigneault um, and how he was used by Tortorella before him. It's, you know, it's asking him to do something that's beyond him. Um, and to me, it would be really interesting if we saw the Rangers fa- 
find a way to get out from under that stall contract if that pressure for the Girardi getting away from Girardi would still be there. I don't know. You're so good with words. Oh, the you. words you speak, they're just amazing. Um, I The other issue that the Rangers are facing in something like this is more of the perception. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about how Jeff Gordon really needs to take I this opportunity. What did you just say? Nothing. What did you just say to me? I didn't say anything. I think you did say uh, something. I'd like you to repeat it for the people because you're being recorded. Uh, I just... I was just taking a drink of water and I mumbled but into nah. that bottle of water that that I didn't I didn't read the article probably I don't, I don't care. Okay, you I ran the damn site while you were gone. It was terrible. It's hard, isn't it? Although you did far more work uh, than I've ever done, so yeah, that that's something. There to were be mutinies, said. mutinies every day. People demanding things. I'm sure there were. Everybody wants tacos. Lazy tacos. Yeah. People. Well. I think I started that. It's my fault. Um, I want tacos now, though. What did I say before you enraged me with the, the flames of a thousand suns? You, you wrote, oh, right. you wrote um, some article about Gordon and tacos. I wrote and... this article that Michael didn't read um, about how Gordon really needs to take this opportunity to put his mark on this team. We've allowed him, I think, free pass after free pass to not really do much of anything. And I kind of defended him not doing much of anything, believe it or not, because it's very difficult to have somebody just step in to what has ultimately been a very successful couple of years when the Rangers are coming off their Stanley Cup berth and their Eastern Conference final appearance and then saying, all right, I'm going to shake everything up. So he kind of sat in the background and, and just allowed things to go as they've been. And it's quite clear that that is no longer working. So at some point, you need to step in, and this is the opportunity. From this moment forward, Gordon has lost all of his free passes. He doesn't get any more free passes. You don't get to sit there and say, well, Gordon's just kind of seeing how things are going. That is not the way that this is going to work anymore. This is now Jeff Gordon's team, and it has to be his team. So that is a long-winded way for me to get to this next point which is the Rangers have not had a first-round draft pick in four years. And they've done a spectacular job, a transcendent job, if you will, at getting late-round slash non-draft pick talent to come into the pipeline. Buchnevich, Duclair, um, take a moment of silence for Anthony Duclair, <coughs> Hayes, VC, um, the players that the Rangers have been able to get this summer. There's a lot of those players who make this a much more tolerable experience. The Rangers' farm system is barren, but they have a young team, especially at forward. You have to think that to lose another first-round pick would be very, very, very difficult to stomach. Now, is it worth it to get rid of a terrible contract? Maybe. Is it worth it to totally hit the reset button on this defense? Probably but you're also putting yourself in a position where you're now going another year without a first-round pick. And there is always yeah. going to be some type of a temptation, some seductress, to trade that first-round pick. Whether it's Eric Stahl or Kevin Shattenkirk or an expansion draft with an opportunity to get rid of an Albatross contract that has dragged the entire team down because it's an anchor and nobody seemed to care about it until just now. 
whatever it is, there's going to be that temptation. And who is to say that next year there won't be another temptation? And there probably will be. So I don't know what the right answer is for Jeff Gordon. He's the guy that sees things from 5,000 feet. And that's important because, say, Jeff Gordon trades the first-round pick to Vegas. Mm. Vegas takes the first-round pick, and they take Stahl. Then he goes and he buys out Dan Girardi. Then he signs Shattenkirk. Then he re-signs Smith. Then maybe he trades Derek Stepan somewhere. Jesus. Maybe he trades Derek Stepan to Vegas. Who knows? I don't know. What else does and he, he do? gets the first-round pick from somebody else. I, there was a part of me that really believed, and I still kind of believe it, that if the Rangers are going to dangle anybody, or if they're going to dangle Stepan anywhere, it would be to Vegas. Here's your number one center. He is signed for the next, what, five years, four years? What does he have left on? Uh, call, call it four years. I think it is four years. Four years, yeah. Four years, 6.5. He's signed four. for the next four years. Here he is. Take him. By the way, you're also going to take Derek Stepa, or you're also going to take Mark Stahl, and you're not going to touch Lindbergh or Fast in expansion. Would it be worth it? I don't know. I don't know what Vegas is looking at. But if you are going to trade your first-round pick to Vegas to get rid of a bad contract, then you're not trading Stepan for defensive help because you're thinking you're going to get Shattenkirk and Smith. So then are you trading Stepan for another first-round pick? Are you trading Stepan for younger talent? This is why I just don't really understand the, the blind get-rid-of-Stepan. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah. Where do you First go? First-line centers don't grow on trees. That's my they problem not with it. Second-line centers don't necessarily grow on trees. No, they, they really don't. I think some people might be quick to say, oh, you move Miller back to center, and you know, you played center there. But I, I don't know. It's, I really I think that, that third line this year really muddied the waters for – evaluating guys like Hayes and Miller specifically, obviously, because they were on the line. But like when you, when you look at the numbers in terms of that line's possession numbers, their actual production, even strength, their PDO and everything, it's a lot of that success had to do with Michael Grabner scoring one out of every three shots he put on net. Gerbney. Um, yeah, Gerbney. Um, but, and you know, part of that is, Grabner has the ability with his speed to do such good things, but it's also, you know, technically last season was Hayes' best in the NHL, but it doesn't feel like we got that, like, impression from him, right? We we don't feel good about where Hayes' game is. We still feel the potential is there, obviously, but we we wanted to see more of him, even though he found a way just in terms of, counting stats, simple numbers to bounce back from that sophomore year. But I I would really hesitate to shake the tree and shuffle the deck that much, like to the extent you're talking about. But the bottom line is the expansion draft makes those things possible. And so it is Gordon's job. It's his job to, you know, to ask those questions and to examine the options he has before him because – you know, as you talked about with him, like putting his mark on this team, he inherited so many problems um, from, you know, the front office structure before him. 
And, and allowed some problems to fester, let's be honest. He definitely yeah, allowed some and, of those yeah. problems to just hang around and not do anything about it. Yeah, I would say that's fair, but I also think that there's there was plenty of pressure um, from day one for him to to not do something as radical as buying out one of the team's alternate captains. And, you know, guys like Girardi and Stahl for as much as kind of, you know, the community that we're a part of regularly like lambast them for, for their shortcomings. Those are players that among, you know, they, they sell hockey jerseys, you know, they, they, they are popular players in the grand scheme of things. Are they the Rangers most popular players? Not at all, but it is important to think of like, you know, when do it's it's why I thought your art, which I did read by the way, I did read your stupid article about when what when to put to the, his you heard me uh, when to put his mark on the team. I think now is the time to do it, and the expansion draft just make gives him like more ink to work with to make that mark um, because he has this opportunity to really in one fell swoop overhaul that blue line. And I do consider getting rid of one of those guys a a major overhaul because we know we want Brendan Smith back. The real question is how much will that cost the Rangers? And we know we want Mika Zibanejad re-signed for a long, long time. Um, Or at least most of us feel that way. The problem we have now is, all right, we, we have to, we have the money for those things really, but do we also have the money to make a play at a guy like Shattenkirk? You know, do we have the money to, to approach another option on the blue line, you know, and to play with cap space that might be opened up by someone that Vegas uh, claims. And that's just a lot of, a lot of doors and a lot of alleyways that, that Gorton can walk down. And it's, it's what's going to make this month like the most interesting June in hockey in forever because it's, it's like, you know, a free agency day, you know, two weeks ahead of schedule or whatever it is. It's every team has the opportunity to, to really, you know, get something out of expansion or to just like a lot of teams, like I think Nashville, um, will just like it'll just strictly be made worse because they're going to be put in a position where they just have to lose something good. Um, and I, I want to see Gordon succeed here, and not just for selfish reasons. I want to see him really embrace this opportunity to recognize what's the Rangers' biggest problem here. It's not the ticking clock on Henrik Lundqvist. That just makes all the other problems look worse. The real problem is here is the defense sucks. Um, part of the defense sucking is what Vino does with a with defense um, and, you know, the coaches beneath him. But it's not all on Vino. There are things Gorton can do in collaboration with the coach to, to improve things across the board. And that goes beyond things like recognizing what you have with a Clendenning and stuff like that. It It goes to just hard personnel decisions like, Girardi's not good enough, not for what he makes. You know, you don't pay guys. Not for the role he's forced to play. Yeah, not for the role he's forced to play. Uh, There's too much money tied up in a guy who 
stands in front of shots, and is regularly beaten in one-on-one situations, and brings nothing to the you know the offensive and neutral zone aspects of the game. And the same, it's ditto for Stall. So Gorton has to has to solve those things. You know, it's expected of him to solve those things. It's it's a big pressure situation, but that's what his job is. So I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that he's going to find a way out from under one of these contracts. Um, and I guess there's, I don't know, you're, you talking me into the, the possibility that both could be, you know, I know it was more kind of conjecture from you, but the, the possibility that both might happen is crazy to me, but I guess it's out there. It's weird to think. Well, it would be like, what would be the purpose of not doing both? If you're going to go that nuclear at this point, Gordon needs to realize it's the cost. that it all comes down to the cost. It's what you would give up to Vegas. Like, few teams and few fan bases have a right to get as disgruntled as Rangers fans do about losing another first-round pick. Um, but making that move would be a win-now decision. And no matter how you cut it, not just because you're giving up the pick, but also because it's, you know, we're we're creating cap space, we're getting rid of this problem, and with that cap space, we're hoping to improve the team. And I think in many ways the Rangers still need to think like a win-now team while Lundqvist is around. Um, I want them to be the intellectual win-now team, like what we saw with like the Zabinajad deal moves like that that makes so much sense you know um you can be a win now team and still like include the future into your plans you know it's not just you know going out every season and you know trying to find justin williams or joel ward or whatever postseason hero you know plug their name in here joel ward is a postseason hero yeah, he always so has Justin been. Williams. He always will be. So it's Justin Williams, yeah. So world. Um, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what I've talked myself into. The allure of of the the players. You that, got me hopeful. You shouldn't have done that. I always do that. The, the allure of the players that you think in the draft. Obviously, you're looking at a guy that hasn't played a single NHL game yet, and you're like, "Oh, that guy's going to be amazing." So there is a risk factor there, but. Um, I don't know. The the chance to hit the reset button that firmly, it, it is very, very appetizing. It really is. It yeah, is it's a not going to come around again. Opportunity. And it isn't going to come around again. There are not many teams that – there are not, not many opportunities when a team has zero dollars on their cap. Mm. So – you know, I don't know what I would do. I'm not the general manager. Yeah, I, I, frankly, yeah, I have no idea what I would do in Gorton's if I was in Gorton's seat, and that's you know that kind of applies to every decision he makes. But this is one of those, you know, it it opens the door to so many radical opportunities to reshape the team, and frankly, in many ways, reshape the team's identity. And 
to me, it's this kind of to tie it back to kind of where we began with that, the whole Stefan and the Brooks thing and everything and the implication that this core hasn't gotten it done. And, you know, we heard of that language a little bit in the, the exit interviews with players just, you know, what is, you know, you guys aren't getting it done. And, you know, this group has been at it a long time. And, you know, a lot of what Stefan said was really interesting because he was really all over himself early um, in the playoffs for just not producing enough and for, you know, making bad plays and everything. But Vigneault also leaned on him like crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I think he averaged north of 20 minutes a night in the playoffs. You know, it's like 20 and a half minutes a night. And that just exasperated the problem. And I think that's the reason why he had the, you know, has the magnifying glass on him. But the point I'm really trying to make is the, you know, it's the idea that this core isn't doing it. But I think you can really, you know, you can adjust the, the settings on your microscope a bit there and realize it's, it's the cap space going to the guys that don't do enough. And you and I can say without controversy that does Rick Nash make too much money? Yes, he does. Uh, he does for, like, in regards to what his production is. Is he a very valuable forward nonetheless? Absolutely. You know, he's, he's, in terms of how much I would pay him if, you know, I could wave a wand, I think he's easily and comfortably still a $6 million or $6.5 million player. He gets paid 7.8. That's just, you know, that's, that's what happens when, you know, that's the contract the Rangers acquired um, when they traded for him. That's a decision that the organization... That's very useful, may we add. It's not like he's been... It's not like he shit the bed the moment he got here. Yeah. It, no, not it, at all. It's but really like, only the past year or two that Nat, you could even remotely say he hasn't been worth every penny. To yeah. your point, if if anything, he's a six million dollar player getting paid seven point eight million dollars. So be it. Yeah, but the, but what's so interesting is even you know even in his exit interview, he brought up the point that like he hopes to be here next season. And Giannone asked him, you know, like you know, are are you joking or you know, do you? Do you expect anything to happen? And Nash was just like, you know, I know it's a business, yada, yada, yada. But it, it's so weird to think that all that heat is going towards these guys that are not necessarily the biggest, like, they're not the real problems here. And, uh, again, this isn't about who these players are as people. It's just about, you know, the performance on the ice. Stall and Girardi aren't good enough. And... Furthermore, the Rangers head coach uses them both in a top four role, and that just exacerbates the problem. It's not just an issue of wasted cap space. It's an issue of taking toys out of Vino's hands that he can't be trusted with at this point. And I know that is demeaning and, you know, a nasty thing to say, but I don't think we need to look at any more data or any, any more hockey to understand that he goes with players based on reputation um, and the reputation he goes by is his own stats, his own opinions, what he thinks of players, um, the clear preference for veterans, yada, yada, yada. Vigneault is a good coach. He does a lot of things we don't understand. But I think it is in the team's best interest to take these particular problems out of his hands because I don't know. There's no reason to expect the Rangers will do any better 
while these guys are still here. I mean, do you agree with that? I do, and that's where I agree that Vigneault is a good coach. I've never, as down on him as I am, as I'm pretty down on him, as I am. He's not a bad coach. He just has enormous flaws, and I don't think he's the right coach. I don't know if Vigneault is ever going to be in a situation where he's going to have a team that is young enough and trustworthy enough to win a Stanley Cup. Because mm. when Vigneault gets his hands on player personnel, it, it just becomes the veteran show. You shouldn't need three playoffs of evidence to see that Dan Girardi should not be playing against top pair players. And no. I should retract that because Girardi really wasn't the problem this, this year in the playoffs. You should not need to see that the, the Nick Holden-Mark Stahl pairing should not be on the ice to kill valuable minutes when you're up by a goal. You should not need to see that Brennan Smith and Brady Shea should be playing down the stretch in every single game. You should not need to see that Tanner Glass should not be playing over Pavel Buchnevich in a playoff game. I don't know where like people get on us for being negative on Vigneault. You point to me where he deserved anything positive or did not earn something negative this year in the playoffs or last year in the playoffs. You can make an argument that last year's team was a sinking ship, then why did things not change all that much this year on the bigger issues? So, now you frustrated me. Well, you have frustrated I me. I jury today. I, I opened up all the other problems. I don't know why I did it. Well, the Rangers will pick 21st in the 2017 NHL entry draft. So, Barring anything, oh my there should be a couple of really good players on the board. Um, Yamamoto is uh, slated to go very he has a late brother. first round, so he'll Yamamoto has a brother named Keanu, so I'm kind of I'm pulling for him. Ooh, Keanu Yamamoto. Uh, He's five foot eight. Taylor Yamamoto. He's going to be a little interesting. He's, I don't know where he's. Are you mid first round pack? We'll see where he goes. Are you just best player available guy, or do you think the Rangers like take a center, take a D? My personal philosophy is you should always, always take best player available. Always. Yeah. Um, when you start drafting players to fit needs, that's when you draft Dylan McElrath instead of uh, <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko. That's a fair point. That's a very, but very fair I, w- point. I will say that if you have two players who are basically even, then you go with need. So if the Rangers value a guy like Brandstrom – and Yamamoto at the same level, there mm. is a need for a player like Brandstrom more than there is a player like Yamamoto. If that makes sense. You need those those skilled defensive players far more than you need those skilled forwards because you can find those skilled forwards almost anywhere. And this does seem to be a pretty good year for drafts, for uh, defensemen, excuse me. So, we'll see. Yeah, it's It's interesting. Statistically, D in the first round don't pan out as much as goalies as forwards, which I think surprises some people because I think the the urban myth is you, you just don't take a goalie in the first round. Um, but, you know, just in terms of making it to the NHL, but uh, given what the Rangers have in the prospect pipeline, um, I think, you know, Pionk helps that a lot 
I still love that name so much. Um, Pionk. Pionk. Um, such a good Pionk. Looney Tunes sound effect. Uh, but I still, even though I, I think the point you made about you don't draft for need because then you end up with Macarath, that's a, such a good point. It's among the best things you've ever said on this podcast. Um, I'm so smart. You are very smart. You're such a smart, handsome boy. Um, I I would like the Rangers to go look for for a D first, but if a guy like Yamamoto is there, then I'm on board Yamamoto. for that because I think he's he's 5'8 or something, so I think he's going to drop just because there are enough teams who go like 5'8, 150 pounds? He'll never make it. And yeah, then, both you know, of the players that I'm enamored with are undersized players, and uh, the one big fear is that Nicholas Hogg, who is a, a lumbering defenseman who's put up pretty good six, numbers six. in the OHL, but he did a, a yeah. ton of his work on the power play and just seems like the kind of guy who is just picking off numbers on a stacked team. Um, yeah, you know, that is the guy I think that I think is especially relevant for D. I think that's the type of – if that's the way the Rangers are going, like everybody talks about how big he is, like, oh, there's a big kid. That was the same stuff we heard about Dylan McElrath. Do not go down that road again. Draft for skill, please, you sons of bitches. Don't, <laughs> don't draft for size. It sons never works bitches. out the way you think it's going to. Yeah, I would, I would definitely, definitely agree with that. I think – the NHL's fascination with size, especially on the blue line, is really, I think it's slowly starting to, to turn now, where you see defensemen teams. like... Yeah, but I think it, there's a greater trend now where I think teams understand the value in guys like Ryan Ellis. Oh, I you agree know, with you it, it, that that's the way the NHL is moving. I'm saying some teams, like the Rangers, um, still seem yeah. to be size-dependent when they should not be, but continue. Yeah, but it, it, it is interesting, though. Yamamoto. Uh, it, it is interesting to me because it's it's definitely something that I think the Rangers have been guilty of is getting um, interested. Because I think even part of the reason the Rangers went after Shea was, oh, he skates and he's got size. You know, he's he's the whole package. He does a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like they didn't give it, you know, a rat's fart about his offensive potential, which of course is what you know made him so amazingly exceptional this year. But I I would like to see uh I think it's I guess it's really just a selfish thing. I just want the Rangers to have that first round pick because I'd like to I'd like to give a crap about what happens in the first round for the first time in you know, however long now it's been. I there are a lot of fun things to look for in the draft. I really want to know who dra- drafts Grant Mismash. I want to know that. Um, you have know, many questions. I think yeah, I got a lot of questions. Um, yeah, I, I obviously I agree. I think. And what do the Rangers have? They have a first round pick, no second round pick, no third round pick, no third round pick. And then they have, so that's another pitfall to you trade that first round pick. You are. Out yeah, of the first you, three rounds of the draft. Yeah, there's. I don't think you can do it. You can't do it. Unless you're getting a second you know, back I, or something. Well, you need to be getting really at least a second. You need a second and a third. Oh, uh, 
No, it can't. You can't. You can't do it, girl. You just can't do it. You can't and the Rangers do have it. picks four, five, six, seven, and uh, they pick the Panthers fourth round. They traded their own fourth round for the Keith Yandel instant. Oh, the Keith Yandels. God damn it. We've cursed more on this show than I think we ever have before. Yeah, Beth, we also weren't as funny. Beth brings out the funny. I thought we were, uh, but, thought we were very focused. Um, yeah, we were very North-South podcast was, rather than East-West podcast. There wasn't a lot of um, ridiculous tangents. In, About like, syphilis and... Catalyzed by Beth pouring herself wine and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <sighs> Beth, Beth and your wine. Beth and your wine coming over to us. Beth and your wine drinking it right now. Okay. We have reached the point of the podcast where I am losing my mind. So. Patreon.com slash BlueShirtPanther. Go to it. Donate to it. Give us your money. We want your money. That's all. I don't think it's a lot to ask, you son of a bitch. You kidding me? Are you joking? Donate. Just, what's $1,000 a month to you? I don't get it. I don't if, understand why you're so if, selfish. If you have the means. Um, you are in this, just selfish. That's what this is. In this chaotic world, we would greatly appreciate it, but... There are better things to to lend your money to. But we do try to keep you entertained. We do we our do. very best, and hopefully we do that. You should see the punishment that Michael gets when I feel like he's not entertaining you. I don't it's want to talk about punishment. it. Okay, so um, <laughs> that is the end of that. Well, Patreon.com slash BlueShirtPanther. Twitter.com slash DigDeepBSB. Twitter.com slash... Yeah. Before, before we go, you can have. It's the the world has ended. It's the apocalypse. All right. It's uh like Walking Dead without zombies. You ever see the movie The Road? No. All right. You ever read the book The Road? Obviously not. The, your culture, your lack of culture, once again. So um, it's, it's, so it's the end of the, the world. Walking but Dead there's no. no yeah. Okay. Killer but there killed. are people that I'm that I'm attacking. Yeah. So. Okay. My point here is, you, you pick one medieval weapon. What's your weapon? Mm. I get one medieval weapon. One medieval weapon. Um. God, that's a good question. An arbalist. You're choosing an arbalist. I am. Because I could kill people from afar. I I appreciate that answer. You know what I mean? You sneak so, up on someone, you put an arrow through their face, that's the end of that. Yeah. You have a sword, you I gotta am. get up in front of them. Yeah. So it's uh, for those who don't know, an arbalist is a sexy crossbow. It is a, it is oh. the sexiest of crossbows. It yeah, I would choose a, and... I would choose a longbow. I think for the same reasons you choose Arbella. Because I would also think I need to hunt things. Um, I don't know. The Arbalist might be a better answer. But my problem with the Arbalist is if it breaks or something, 
you're fucked. You have no idea how to fix it. But if a, a bow but, breaks, you're going to build another long bow? I've seen the Primitive Technology episode where he makes uh, a bow. The 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 is it's strong. It's a stronger mechanism. The the longbow won like wars. Yeah, when there were no arbalists. Here's the thing: if my arbalist breaks, I'll build a friggin' longbow. If my longbow breaks, I'm not building an arbalist. That's you know what. That's a fair point. I think you've won. I have won. I've taken my arbalist and I've shot I, you in the head. I hate to say it. I really do hate to say it. But I think you've won. I think you would have to go long-range weapon, for sure. I don't think you could go, like, greatsword? What are you, a moron? Just run away. Yeah. Or you have no, to get, you, you don't want somebody to do something like that. Um, I would want, like, if I had to have a melee weapon, I'd want, like, a spear or a halberd. Something to keep people at bay. Right. Now, one thing I was thinking before, mm. the very first thought that came to my head was catapult. But the catapult would be useless, really. You'd have to, like, lure that's, people from see, the See, that's the worst and, answer. Yeah, and so, then fire on them. So I knew, something, I knew something was very wrong as I thought about it. I was like, that would only work if I, like, built myself some type of a fortress. And then I could catapult. But even so, all you have to do is get around that one fire of the catapult, and then I'm not strong yeah. enough to load it again. I'm assuming no. it's preloaded. If it's not preloaded, then I'm screwed anyway. Oh, so it'll be such a pain in the ass. So the arbalist, that's really that's the way to go. Yeah, it's like a crappy. Yeah, like you a crappy sneak up on people. When I went to um, Prague, we went to a castle, and there was mm-hmm. a crossbow shooting opportunity that I did. Oh. And I hit the bullseye. Oh, uh, of course he did. From 100 feet away. So watch out. 300 okay? feet away. 100, and it was raining. Feet. And it was dusk. No, and the Saracens like were coming and they were screaming. With this like lazy guy who didn't want anything to do with it. It cost 50 <laughs> crowns, which in check is like $2. Oh, it was shit. ridiculous. I would have done that. Yeah. So... I like how yeah. they're called crowns. They are. They're called crowns. So I went over there, and I hit the bullseye. My first shot, he did not explain to me the aiming properly, and it hit, like, the corner of the target all the way in the top. And then I realized that he had lied to me about what to use as my sight. I hit the 80 point, and then I hit the 100 point. It was heavier than I'm I thought pr- it was, but it would, it would kill somebody. So I'm going to go with the arm. I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud I'm of very you, proud too. Of you. So was that guy who wanted nothing to do with me. He was probably living a wonderful life in Prague. And I'm here. But then again, he's just kind of shooting things. So, okay. Well, this has been fun. Um, Go buy a Casper mattress. I am watching an otter eat his dinner. Uh, Yes. Casper, well, you know what? Casper, patreon.com slash blue shirt banter, you know, whatever. Do the thing. Dot, we love you. We'll dot see you next week. Whatever. Dot, Goodbye. Dot, yeah. Beth is well. <laughs>